welcome to another fantastic edition of the Photography Bar podcast. I'm Mark and as ever I'm joined with Cam and we've also got Sarah with us again today. How are you guys doing? All good, thank you. Yeah, very good, Mark. Very good. Excellent stuff. I just realised I used the word guys and I know we've been doing uh, a <laughs> promotional a promotional video for Abraxas <laughs> yeah. the other day, weren't we? Yeah. Um, and we were trying not to use the word guys. I mean, I always use that as a uh, sort of a, a general term for no matter it who's is. in the room it, it is yeah i kind of quite take it as it just means people yeah not guys as in the male as but in, as in everybody yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly that's right yeah so yeah guys everyone we were trying to use the word everyone weren't we but yes we guys were is the easy one wasn't it but, um, anyway right so i want to jump straight in and i want to ask you both a question okay and if i was to say to you um i'm going to i want you to bring your camera again i'm going to meet you somewhere okay at a central point somewhere and i want you to bring your camera gear with you i just maybe a camera flash couple of lenses just you know and what i'd like you to do is i'm going to send you anywhere in the world okay you can go anywhere that you want to go to um to go and do a photo shoot it could be of anything it could be anywhere but you're just there for a day right where would you go oh uh, <laughs> the whole big wide world mm, yeah the first first thing that comes to mind is the amazon for some reason um okay. i was lucky enough to take a trip to bolivia a few years back and we sort of did a bit of the amazon there and i didn't have the equipment that i do now and the mm. thought of sort of going back and the wildlife and stuff that you you come across and the beautiful sort of landscapes and and everything mm. i'd like to go back and do that properly yeah mark yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I I I I do like on a tropical island, that that sort of thing. I don't have anywhere in particular I can think of um straight Something away. Warm. Somewhere warm, somewhere kind of that, that that idyllic, but not not like Bora Bora or anywhere like that where it's like touristy. It'd have to be off the beaten track. I mean, I, I was again a, a few quite a few years ago, um, I did go to Fiji and so I did a little bit of that. Mm. Um it's when I first uh, I literally just got the EOS 5D Mark II at that point. So that kind of shows you, I mean, I pre-ordered it. So it shows you how long ago it was. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I, I would love to do that again because we did actually boat out to a deserted tropical island, which was pretty cool. Okay. Um, and I, That's and fair I, but I was on holiday as well, so I didn't exactly go massive explorer mode, but um, I would like to do that properly again. Okay. What about right. you then, Cam? Yeah. Oh, no, oh, no, it's not about me at the moment. No, 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 no. My next question is, what about us in the UK? Yeah, we are. We've met at a spot. All I've said to you is to bring your camera gear. And then I'm saying to you, right, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pay for your ticket. I'll pay for whatever it is. Go wherever you want to go. But you're back this time tomorrow. And can you organise absolutely anything? Um, well, no, it's just you and a camera. Really. Well, the reason I ask is because Stonehenge without the people there would be awesome. Okay. Especially no, if, if, I, if it was if a I really to you like today, let's just say it was today. Right, Which is okay. a bright, sunny, cold day. We are yeah. February, so you know. I think you've got to go somewhere like Scotland, or top the lakes. of mountain somewhere. Yeah, something sort of unknown to a lot of people, perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not big with cold, so. Uh, <laughs> you know I think that. if you hike up a mountain, you'll be warm enough by the time you get there. Yeah, true. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be cool. I mean, to say the Lake District was uh, was one that jumped out at me as well. Um, right. But yeah, okay. Scotland. There's some areas of Scotland, maybe you know Isle of Jura or Isle of Skye, mm. somewhere like that. That might be quite cool too. But okay, well, yeah. I'm sure Wales is lovely too. <laughs> by the way, just you know. <laughs> so my reason for asking this is because um, I I'd uh, seen an article and it was to do with how photographers think and that you know uh, and that type of thing and it was to do with overthinking and procrastinating and I know that I've spoken to a number of students who and and I've read online when people say they love taking going out taking photos but they feel really uninspired they don't know what to go and take photos off you know where, where shall I go don't know what to do I went out with my camera for a day and or went on this amazing holiday, took my camera, but I just didn't get any good pictures and and that type of thing. And this and this and this article that I was reading was really to do with how, as photographers, we have a habit of overthinking things. Now, this also relates back to the something that we spoke about recently about the number of photography businesses that fail 
um, not long after they've set up. And it's like, it was a large, I can't remember what the percentage was. It was uh, 85%, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's a lot. Like 85% of photography businesses will fail in a short space of time, you know, after setting up. Anyway, this went on to say, this article mentioned this about businesses and failing and succeeding in business. And overthinking and procrastinating was one of the major factors. So do would you guys, when it comes to your business and the work that you do, do you find yourself overthinking things about what strategies to put in place for your I business? I definitely so? do. Or uh, you almost make a problem it. too big that it then becomes it, it seems unmanageable all of a sudden um I would say I'm, I'm definitely guilty of being an overthinker in those circumstances where I think too far into it and I think well this is maybe too hard for me do I really want to do this and then potentially not I think yeah definitely. I mean I I'd say I'm probably guilty of the opposite. I think I'm so steadfast in in what I think is going to work. I guess it's change that is probably my biggest problem, you know, going, yeah, but I've done this. It works. I know it works. So why would I change it? Do you know what I mean? That's probably. That's, my... Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because I I tend not to think like that, actually, because I always think there's there's new ways of doing things, new yeah. new technology, new equipment. So I don't go down there if it's not broke, don't fix it type of you know, uh, rule as it were, especially if this a new yeah. way of doing things, uh, a much more efficient, a much more efficient way of doing things, you know, that type of thing, really. Um, but I think I'm a, bit, a little bit in the middle because there's certain things that I will just stop and overthink too much. And there's certain things say, right, look, you know what, I'm just going to go and do it. And in actual fact, mm. I think the reason why I've managed to do what I've done for so long is because Mark's got a smile on his face, having been in the industry. For well, years, yeah, I knew it was coming. It's <laughs> because when I've thought of Isn't it 40 years now, many I mean, times, it there, yeah, many times I've thought of an idea, putting something into place. And I thought, you know what, hell it, I'm out, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to start it. I'm going to put it out there. And it's been one of the best things to, and one of those things that we really did was introducing video. And this is now going back in 2015 um mm. when i was sort of being sort of told no you don't want to do it shouldn't do it and whatever and i thought oh bugger it i'm just gonna do it yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was the best thing that we could have done and there's been a number mm. of things along the way as well drones we sort of introduced drones as well that's been okay i think things have changed i think drone licensing have changed a lot of people now don't need a drone license for that so this so i think that was another thing that we introduced but it was always it was a, it was a good thing to do but i think this time of year um when people do have a lot of time to think and they're looking at their business and looking at their website and all of that um we we can we can overthink things we can sort of go too far into um uh, and then we don't get anything done we don't get it done we just don't get it done properly and i think yeah, that's always definitely that's, guilty of this. that's always the concern you know when you're, you're you're going backwards and forwards on pricing and and all of that type of thing so uh um that's my sort of uh that's where really i wanted to get to with that and say to people out there is to um have a think about how you think is that a good way of putting it yeah i guess yeah. i think you gotta you, you gotta you gotta have uh you gotta be decisive where you need to be um but that doesn't necessarily mean you go headstrong into something that you haven't really researched or, or know anything about i guess yeah. it's so, it. i think it's just talking with other people who have perhaps been in the industry a long time and and where to prioritize and you know how to break it down into bite-sized manageable pieces for yourself rather than being completely overwhelmed with the big picture as such break that down so you can get there I think that's really important talking to other people and we mentioned this so many times that as a lot of photographers are independents other photographers don't have anyone to talk to or they don't feel they have anyone to talk to you know somebody that really can understand the situation that they're in so a lot of photographers are at home and they are um, sitting working on their own and they and I think they feel they have to try and figure things out for themselves um, well I, I don't know I don't know because we, we talk about this a lot and there, obviously there is a loneliness of being a, a, a photographer but I don't there's a lot of forums out there um, mm. and I'm not a massive one of going onto forums to be honest with you but a lot of people are especially the you know the youth um they, they, they tend to use forums a lot more than me and and i guess that's a good way of finding things out because people are pretty honest on those forums so um so there is stuff out 
there for me it's not the same but for a lot of people it's it's absolutely fine I have to say when I decided to go freelance and only a few years ago it wasn't that long ago at all the first thing I do was was contact all my photography friends who were freelancers and say that what would you recommend how should I do this and and they would put me in contact and, and through that I met you Cam and you know it was just sort of that six degrees of separation and just opening up those communication channels with those other people is then able to make sort of my communication links much bigger and gain more knowledge and you know benefit myself but hopefully in the same time have me help others mm. who are then perhaps starting out as well mm, yeah and I think I think that's what if, if there are any of you out there listening and you do spend a lot of time as a photographer on your own, you know, uh, there are, you know, it's good to reach out and find out what is available out there for you to be able to talk to others. And you're right. That's how it's sort of Sarah we met. And now we've got this sort of, uh, this uh, sort of uh, big group of photographers that we've all got really. That, uh, and yeah. a lot of us are all, in, you know, are in the same situation. A lot of people, you know, we everyone finds out what work they're doing, where they're getting work from. And that's been a big help. And I think, um, and I think that's helps. That's helped a lot of people out. And I know for a fact on this podcast here, because we've had several emails since we started, the number of photographers that said, I'm so glad, I love listening to you guys because I don't really have anyone to talk to or listen to. And you guys sort of talk about real things that affects real photographers. And so this has been actually a good platform. Uh, for yeah, not want to not blow our own trumpets, of course. Okay. No, but I know for a fact, on a serious <laughs> note, though, that people, people have listened to us because they feel that, we're sort of a real voice out there. We're, we're thinking about the same things that they think about. <laughs> the voice of the you people. Know, the voice of the people. <laughs> Men of the people. That's right, yeah. Well, so, and, um, and, and ladies of the And ladies, of course. Ladies. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> Guys yeah. of the people. Yeah, there we go. Now, I wanted to, uh, we've uh, got a product review. Um, <laughs> yes, from, we have. Um, the very, very kind people from Manfrotto, who we're going to be doing some product, first-hand product reviews. And yep. they sent, they've sent a couple of products. So the first product review that we've done uh, um, is the Manfrotto Quick Release Catcher Small. That's what it says actually on the box. Um, and it says it's a, I'm just seeing if there's another description on the box for it. Uh, <laughs> it's, but there a, isn't. it's a great start. It actually just says the model <laughs> it's a number. Great start. But the official name for it is a quick release catcher small. Well, it's I think it's the Manfrotto move, isn't it? So it's... Yeah, but in actual fact, yeah, I was going to say it's called the Manfrotto move. So, Mark, do you want to explain it? Explain what it is. It, it's it's hard to explain. So, I think the best thing to do is if if you imagine your tripod head and you imagine you got a quick release plate on there, that's essentially what this is. But it's a quick release plate for the tripod head, so it goes in between. The, the legs of the tripod and the head of the tripod. So if you just want to, if you've got like a, a tripod leg, you know, a, a, a normal tripod legs and you've got a monopod and you need to switch the camera over from the legs to the, the monopod, but you want the same head, then you can just release the head, put it on the, uh, and put it on, put it on the monopod. So it, it's, it's simple. Now for, I think one of the things that we said, Cam, I mean, for me, it, would it be something that I'd necessarily do without? Yes, I, it's not something that is necessarily something that will, will, will help me specifically. However, I do know people that this would help. I mean, I work with people who, especially with the uh, the, the Indian weddings that I do, um, their video side of it. I mean, they have sliders, they have tripods, big tripods, small tripods, they've got cranes, although I don't think this will work with the crane. Um and monopods and all sorts so and i'm constantly seeing him having to unscrew the tripod head for another one and all this kind of stuff so actually for that just to quickly flick from a slider to a monopod from a monopod to a tripod i can see this being really really useful um myself as i say i i tend to either i'm either using a tripod or i'm using a monopod it's very rare i switch between the two um in in, in or need to do it in such a quick fashion um, do you think it's more for video than it is for photography? I think so. I mean, I guess it depends on how big the the shoot is and and what you're doing. I I can see photographers benefiting from it, uh, but for me, it it seems more like a video thing to me. But I can see why some photographers might need it. Yeah, I guess if you're doing a shoot and you know that you've got you know, let's just say you want to shoot one camera, but you want to do it in different positions. And, you know, you've got, you want to put maybe 
three different tripods or something, you know, and you mm. want to, and you just don't want to keep shifting the tripods or something. It's really good because, you know, you're not taking the camera off the tripod. You know what it's like when you're taking, if you're unscrewing your camera off the tripod. Well, the head. To the head, yeah. you know, and the plate and everything, and then to put it on something else. So right. are we looking at people who have potentially got, you know, your joystick head to your, your fixed mm. and sort of streamlining that process a little bit because with your quick release plate is that not as easy to just disconnect your camera and clip it back onto your other tripod which potentially also has a quick release plate yes but generally i mean i i don't know because i only have one tripod one tripod head and i have a monopod and i do just switch the head over to the monopod rather than having two heads does that make sense because yeah the tripod heads are it can be quite pricey, can't they? Especially if they are made Manfrotto. And I'm not saying they're overpriced. You know, they are solid pieces of kit. Um, but they do have a price tag on. So for me, just being able to switch the head over from the tripod to the monopod, I can see that being, a you know, really help. Um, I do that anyway, but I just screw it on. I don't need to be so quick for the quick release, I guess is what I'm saying. But video, I can see if you're in the middle of doing an Indian wedding and you need to quickly get, the camera off your monopod, which, and you need that head to quickly put on a slider or something like that, then uh, I, I can see, I can see why that would be really beneficial. Yeah. I mean, I can see all sorts of situations where, you know, if you're working as a, a, a crew or something and you've got, you know, rows of tripods set up in, you know, in uh, different areas or something, and you just want to, you know, you don't want to move the actual tripod because you need to leave it exactly where it was actually set up. It's great for situations like that. It's not going to be suitable for, um, I mean, where, Mark, you sort of mentioned, I mean, you'll save yourself some money, actually, you know, like, you know, if uh, if you wanted to buy a tripod and you'd normally go out and buy a tripod and a head that goes with it. In this case here, you can go and buy three different tripod legs and one head and save yourself money on saving on buying heads, say for the other two tripods, but use this, uh, this, this system here that they've got um, just moving the actual uh, sort of to the camera from tripod to tripod, but without having to unscrew the camera from the plate that's at the bottom of your camera. How does it work in terms of angle position? So obviously with your tripod, you can go from portrait to landscape. Are you still able to do that with this attached? Yes, because it doesn't actually affect the head at all. So uh, essentially, if you imagine your tripod legs without the head, yep. you then screw this cylindrical thing on. Hold it up, Cam. You, you screw this cylindrical thing on, on the bottom of the, uh, on sorry, on the top of the tripod. Oh, okay. on, the, on the bottom of the head, you put this other pit on, which right, again, yeah. you screw in. And then those two things click together. How secure does it feel? Oh, really secure. The only thing I was a bit like took me to get the use of is actually when you take it off because you have to twist, you have to twist it for it to come off, and you see it just popped off there. So you got to find a way of knack of holding onto your camera and twisting. And it took me a few attempts yeah. to get that right, but I got it right in the end. Once you'd done yeah. it, it was really straightforward. Actually, yeah. I took a few pictures of Mark um, sort of playing around with it and testing it. Um, I think it's really good. I think it's a really good product. But if you're in a situation where you've got you're out on shoot and you need you know and you need to use one you need to use a camera but on different tripods at different times and you don't have a head for every tripod i guess yeah exactly that's right yeah so it's a really neatly packaged product it's not you know once, it's quite once, small it is once you've got it on your tripod um then you don't you don't never need to take it off and well, i think that's the idea you buy several ones and you put them all on your your tripod heads and then you can just click 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 whichever right, one yeah. you want to put it on but i mean really you can buy seven tripods and just buy one tripod and just buy one head and buy seven of these that's going to be much it's cheaper. essentially just a little adapter it is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a very clever adapter and i do like the way that it comes off you, you you as mark was saying you just sort of rotate it a little bit once you've got used to the, once you've got used to what you need to do it comes on and off easy and as far as secure, being secure i don't really think that's in fact, it's more secure than taking your camera off your tripod by unscrewing the plate underneath it. Because you know what what happens, and everyone's done it. Your camera goes on your tripod. You're gradually moving the tripod, the camera on the tripod all day, and it just gets looser and looser on the screen, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Well, in this case, it also prevents that happening as well. I'm not sure about that. I think that could still happen because the mm -hmm. uh, 
the the head is still attached by a screw to the 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 yeah. adapter plate i think I that get, could still happen but you're but you're handling your camera less i would say yeah, yeah, um, yeah. By having yeah. this, and I think that's what that's what does that. So, um, yeah, first-hand product review, Manfoto. Love this. Thank you for sending this through. They have yeah. sent us an, uh, another uh, little product to try. So we're going to be doing that um, over the course of the next few weeks as well. Um, I mean, it's um, it's a well, it's a well. I mean, it's Manfrotto, so you know it's going to be well made. It's solid. It's really good. Um, just a quick thing to no- mention um, for for one of these adapter sets, it is eighty nine pounds uh, for one yeah. of these um which is still a lot cheaper than, than most it's a heads a lot cheaper for the build um, it's a yeah. solid you just said it's a solid build it's you a, know you're getting a quality product here yeah um and what do you want to do buy a new tripod head and how much is a new tripod head a half decent one would you say well I, you're probably looking at two three hundred quid aren't you exactly that's right yeah buy three of these and three separate tripods right so we're going for yeah i mean it's like so we got it depends on the heads um you can get one which is like 170 quids 200 quid you know yeah that sort of thing yeah i know when we've been doesn't it yeah Yeah. i I know when we've been in situations when particularly for video when we've been filming an event and we're doing some event stuff out outside and say it's a conference or a wedding or something and then you you you're filming or doing all your event stuff so on a monopod and then you go inside ready to film say the conference and you've got this tripod that's already been set up and you've got it up really high and you've got a step ladder or something you got top of the ladder rather than having to unscrew the camera from your other tripod and, and then trying to screw it back in and put it back into place you literally just yeah. in, you just, yeah, just click adapter. it on you just yeah. click it on it's so much easier it's quicker it's safer you're far less likely to drop your camera and damage anything um mm. so just for that reason alone i think it's really good um, it is good yeah and manfrotto you're always going to get a quality product as well so yeah, yeah. yeah. i've manfrotto. always got manfrotto yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah. So, guys, if any of you are interested, it, uh, the, the official number of the product is an uh, MVAQR. That's MVAQR. That's a product code. Uh, it's quick release catcher small, uh, but I think it's called the Manfrotto One. Is that right, Mark? Uh, it's, no, it's the Manfrotto Move. Manfrotto okay. Move. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's that's MVAQR. that's what it's commonly known as. And as I say about. It's, I mean, our Wex Photo is eighty nine pound. Amazon UK it's ninety one pound. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's around ninety quid in it. So yeah, it, if 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 you've got multiple legs with only one head, I recommend going for this. That's right. Um, yeah. If you don't, yeah. then I wouldn't worry about it. Good for landscape photographers. Um, yes. uh, I think it would be really good for landscape photographers. And talking about that, there was something, um, Sarah, you had, wasn't there, about uh, a BBC, was it yeah, a landscape the, or garden photographer or something? Yeah, international That's a garden great photographer link. of the year. Um, so it, it reached the BBC, it was obviously also on Digital Camera World. Uh, and it's a guy called Tony North who's won the International Garden Photographer of the Year. The photo itself also got first place in the breathing spaces section of the competition, mm, and okay. another for threatened plants photographic award so it's a beautiful photo if you want to go and check it out um obviously he's used two separate exposures in this photo one of the foreground one of the background and layered them together um which is stunning but i was just wondering how many people just the general public not necessarily photographers but are aware of say your your hdr and your layering of different exposures obviously it's used in interior photography property photography um so many more people are aware of editing that's happening especially in sort of publication portraiture you know on socials instagram and celebrity style stuff but how many people realize that it's actually being used in landscape things as well i mean i'm looking at the the picture um so the picture is I'm assuming it's the same one. Um, it's it's kind of like you've got a skyscape. It's by the ocean. Um, there's yeah. some is it yeah. bluebells. I mean, I'm not is that bluebells could be or could be foxgloves actually. But anyway, uh, plants are not my thing. Um, but uh, <laughs> well, it's in the Canary Islands. If that helps narrow down. Uh... Oh, oh, my my plant knowledge of the Canary Islands. Yeah, I think if it, <laughs> it, it won threatened plants, perhaps is maybe something a little bit more unique. Yeah. Than bluebells, maybe. Uh... <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, but anyway, I'm looking at it, and uh, you know, I could probably guess that that's got a couple of exposure in it. Of course, yeah, you can see that it it has it there. But to a general person who's just looking at it because it's beautiful, are they going to be aware of, of sort of what's gone in behind that? 
um, and and how easy it is to recreate that if they wanted to do it themselves? Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing one of the things to think about is I'd imagine he 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 pre-planned what he was going to do in order to get this image. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, sky though, there must have been a lot of planning behind you know what day it was going to be taken on and and all sorts of because the sea's quite stormy, but it looks quite yeah. calm and it's you know what well, were the were the exposures taken on the same day uh that i do not know because it, it could be i mean the sky could have been taken on a separate day i guess but but this is the thing you know you've got to make sure that perhaps you're you're set up in exactly the same place mm. again to get that layering to, to fit just right or well i'm guessing he would have had to have used um i don't know the the gadget's name but you know when astrophotographers taking pictures and they have this thing that kind of mimics the rotation of the earth so you don't get the the you know if you're doing a long exposure you don't get like the yeah, the, yeah. the star strikes strikes i think they're called up for again <laughs> not my area of expertise <laughs> um so he would have uh, because that, that doesn't like that's happening at all in this picture it, it looks pretty still doesn't it yeah um we'll we'll probably have to put a link to this um on the episode so you guys can have a look um but uh so he probably would have had one of those i'm guessing Unless, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing that. It does say, I don't know. yeah. I mean, it does say a little bit about it was. It was. It was shot with um, a Nikon D500. Uh, oh, well, that's why I need multiple exposures using a Nikon. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> 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 Only joking, Nikon. <laughs> a, a Takina 80xi 11 11 to 16 mil 2.8 CF ultra wide angle lens. Yeah. This is 211 seconds at f3.2 ISO 1250 with a tripod, star tracker. It says tripod star tracker. Post now, post capture says combine two different exposures together. Use of crop, contrast, and vibrance tools, basic image management. Now, what well, it says vibrance tools, basic image management. So what do we what do you think he's referring to with there when he says basic image management? Well, I'm thinking Lightroom sliders, like yeah. the vibrance I mean, slider we, and yeah, well he's used vibrance, but are we talking when he says basic image management? Are we talking exposure, contrast, blacks, whites? Yeah, I'd that say that would be it. I'd I'd say that's probably what that means. Okay, because they're the four. Am I right in thinking they're the four basic ones? I've got Lightroom open here in front of me, but you've got You've got, uh, Aha, you've got exposure. I do. Okay, so is it exposure, contrast, contrast, white, black? And there's one more, uh, isn't there? No, there's four. So you've got, so first off, you've got, I suppose, uh, color temperature and tint. You've also got exposure, yeah. contrast, highlights, mm. shadows, whites, and blacks. Yeah. And then it goes into things like texture, clarity, dehaze, vibrance, and saturation. Mm. Yeah. I would say that is your basic image management window there. Right. Okay. It- so you- Sorry, just to go away from the text, I think, do we almost think it's a misrepresentation in Mm. a way of what you're viewing? Because somebody thinks I can go to that place and I could see what he saw. Mm. But in reality, you're not you're not going to be able to do that because I don't know. He might they might be able to see it. No, Uh, not in the way this photo represents. Not unless you're on something, Mark. (laughs) i'm looking at the picture now you've got to be on something to be able to see that with the naked eye yeah but i mean you go when you're looking especially with nighttime photography i mean i'm assuming this happened at night and it wasn't like it could be dusk couldn't it i don't know you got all that light on sort of the mountain in the background i mean great it's creative i get that it looks more like a painting to me yeah Uh, yeah. don't get me wrong don't get me wrong i think it's great i think what he's done if he's done that with camera and a few tweaks here and there but it's just what are those few tweaks but also for me it's too far removed from but then again i could be wrong from reality reality. but is it though sarah because remember our eyes will only see what they see and that's what i was trying to say you know if you're if you're up on i don't know a, a mountain top at night and you can see all those stars and you could probably see the city in the background or whatever it is your camera would never get that in one exposure so you have to take multiple exposures for it Mm. to to get what you're seeing in the eye now this is a crazy one i mean that that's like a nebula in the sky there isn't it so we we can't see that with the naked eye but But if you notice if you take a photo that's underexposed say for example and you turn up the the exposure in in lightroom the amount of detail that an that a heavily underexposed picture yeah. The amount of detail that it still has 
okay, yes, it's gone all grainy and you lose a quality and you probably can't rectify it to get anything decent out of it. But you take a picture that's four, five, six stops under, if not more, and you take it out and you bring you bring it up into Lightroom and, open, and whack the exposure up, you'll see so much detail. Now that detail is there. The camera's yeah. captured that detail. and it, It's just the eye doesn't actually see it. Um, but to me, as I said, lovely picture. Yeah, it's great, but it's just too too far from kind I don't like to word yeah I don't like to use the word as what we just said sort of said Sarah it's too far from reality that might not be the, the right phrase because it could be reality but yeah it looks almost fancy doesn't it it's uh it looks it, like something from a movie I guess uh, yeah yeah uh, when it when you go international garden photographer of the year I'd expect to see something that's uh well, I'd, ex- I'd expect a garden for starters but uh... this is it you know <laughs> where, where do you draw the line though this might yeah. be somebody's garden view who knows could well be could that's well right, be yeah. could well be I remember um that was a while ago now it was one of the Attenborough documentary things and and it was about plants so I think it was called the green planet and they did this thing it's just uh, I want the beginning of one of the episodes this amazing sort of pan shot throughout through this sort of woodland looking area and it was all um oh what's it called uh when it's done really quickly I, f- I forget the name uh but it was all sped up and so you, was, you saw the plants sort of growing and oh, yeah. opening oh, up a time lapse time lapse thank you yeah. that's the word I was looking for thank <laughs> you very much um so yeah and, and it was going through this and it looked really cool and it was you know a, Anyway, they do the diary section at the end and they actually showed how they did it. And it wasn't actually anywhere on earth. It was in a lab this shot was created. Oh, really? Yeah, it was in a lab. It had, I mean, it was faithful to where it was supposed to be, I think, because they used the indigenous plant life and what have you. Mm-hmm. But there's, they were saying there's no way you could get that shot on in location. On location, because you, they, that, that shot was probably months of making because these yeah. plants are growing really slowly obviously uh to get this whatever it was 30 seconds 30 second piece of footage and it was a bit of a hoo-ha i said well hang on a minute these Attenborough programs are supposed to be where they are and but and they're also this, educational is, yeah and is this fakery do you know what i mean which i think yeah. is well, well the problem but i guess it's just a way of using imagery to 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 like you said educate um did it? And, and at first I thought it was a bit of a betrayal. And then I thought, no, does it actually matter? Because the point was, was to show what happens with these plants when they're growing. And if we've got the technology to make that education easier for people to understand them, what, what's the problem? But people, you know, they always associate it with National Geographic, where it's very pure photography. Uh, you know, that kind of feel, you know, I remember, I don't know if they still do it, but um National Geographic used to have a website where you can just upload, you know, as a general Joe public, you can upload your pictures on the website and they enter in little competitions and stuff. But one of the rules was no, no photoshoppery, basically. Um, So then this, this kind of stuff and this picture kind of clashes with that a little bit. And I guess that's, is is that the feeling, do you think? Is, Is that why it's, I don't know, we're talking about it now. Yeah, I I don't know. I just think to me, it was a case of so many people are much more aware of editing that's happening in in general things. Like I said, as as publication, you know, in magazines and whatnot. Um, I didn't know how many people would see how much goes into it when you're looking at sort of landscape photography. Um, And it just interests me in that in that sort of element of things as to how much work can go into practically a still life photo in you know of, of something natural because there's a lot that's gone into that picture yeah. and a lot of post-production as well as the time it would have taken to to actually do the photo in the first place mm. it sparks <laughs> a nice conversation at least it's not just yeah. like, look at it and go oh yeah how pretty but it, it yeah. really makes me think as to you know the process he would have gone through from beginning to taking it to end submitting yeah uh, and what that all entailed really but also as photographers now we've got more than ever before the ability to light things differently with the, the, the amount of portable lighting kit there is available now going yeah back yeah years you've got ago, loads of lighting that's battery operated now as yeah. well that's right you know you've got these remote triggers where you can fire off sort of you know uh, multiple flashes before you could do multi-flash but it was just with one just with the one flash that you've got on your camera at the time you know mm. you know where you you 
put it on manually and you'd pull out four shots of your flash while it's on a long exposure or something like that but now people are using a lot of these uh led lights uh yeah. i mean um for example um is it uh rotor light um do some amazing lights that the the round light are you familiar with the rotor lights yeah. No, I'm not. Right. Okay. Yeah. So rotor lights do the continuous light system where they're these these round lights, um, and you can change the color temperature uh of those, the brightness, obviously everything. I mean, it's not just rotor light. There are a lot of other there are a lot of other companies that are doing these, but rotor light, I think, probably are the, are the leaders. And um, they've introduced something uh, uh, a new range of lights. I think it's called their version three. I'm just looking up here neo 3 pro and it says the on-camera hero for hybrid shooters i mean it starts at 649 pounds and the the lighting pack i don't know what that includes it was called a rotor light portrait lighting pack is like two thousand three. It's, it's almost two and a half thousand pounds you, you, you okay? don't need to spend that much by the way on led lights you, you don't okay I, but <laughs> I, I know that's right yeah mark you've got you've got some great ones i've got some slightly smaller ones yeah the ones you've got but these it says so I brought it up, says these new Rotolite ones, Rotolite Neo 3 Pro, it says with a powerful yet soft continuous light and up to three stops more flash power than the previous generation, uh, NEO 3 is the brightest LED on-camera light ever made. Small yet mighty, with NEO 3, the power to illuminate any environment is in your hands. So you can take uh, one of these or a number of these into a, a landscape scene and dramatically light up something you, you you see a lot of you see a lot of photographers doing it on shoots at night yeah, weddings again you know is a classic what, what example that. comes to mind and i have a book of his downstairs gregory crudson just does some amazing imagery with lighting coming from all over the shop mm. um exactly that but there's far more available it's terry donnelly friend of the show and you know sony brand ambassador as well uh he's a real champion of the uh of the rotor light system um, and I'm sure he's going to be putting lots of demos out of this because uh, he he uh, he uses those a lot. And some of the stuff that he does is great from real simple outdoor portraits. And the way he lights stuff uh, is is fantastic. So if any of you have you know haven't come across these lights, these lights, look at Terry Donnelly's work that he does. Uh, sometimes just with one light, two lights, but he knows how to use them absolutely mm. perfectly. I mean, they're £649. I said you can buy far cheaper ones. I was going to say, I didn't spend that much and I love my lights. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this one, uh, and, and what I like on this, uh, Mark, on uh, the, the ad that they've put out is that it's sitting on top of your camera. It's on a, on a hot shoe. Yeah, I can do um, that with mine. Yeah, and this looks, it just looks really, just looks really cool. I might have a look at one of these, but they are 649. Nah. But it just depends <laughs> what you can do. It depends how you use it. Um, yeah. And I'm sure Road to Light, because it starts at 649 pounds, it probably does a lot more than the the, the cheaper. Um, uh, I guess, but what do you need ones. a light to do? You just need a light to shine. So uh, I don't know. I, like I think, that, uh, I, what, I, what do you need a light to do? Tell Terry Donnelly that. Well, <laughs> Terry show. Donnelly, I think friend of the show, Terry Donnelly, is probably sponsored by Rotolite and therefore gets his stuff for cheap or free. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you've seen what Terry does with these, it's yeah, great. Yeah, 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 but you've seen what we do with ours, and uh, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, um, and we do get some great stuff with them. Yeah. You don't need to spend that amount of money anyway. Yeah. We've gone from a picture of a garden, I to, know. Well, see, this was the top, it was a big topic in the yeah, end, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh Anyway, it's uh, we'll put a link on to the, the BBC or, or something like that on this episode yeah. so you can have a look at the picture in question and just see what you think. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'd have post on our comments, not on the BBC's comments because they won't bother listening to you like we will. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, post on our comments or email us about it and it'd be interesting to see what you think. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, Mark, what have you got? You've got something actually moving on, actually, Mark. You've got this links quite well. Something to do, you know, we're talking about outdoor scenes, aren't we? And that that, that <laughs> yeah. picture had some stars and you know, the, this uh, this award-winning picture. You've got something to do with some sort of satellite, haven't you? Yeah, so as we all know, there are a lot of satellites up in our atmosphere at the moment. Um, some might suggest there's too many. I, I'm probably bearing on that side of it, but nevertheless, we do need them for mobile phones and all this kind of stuff. And you've probably seen on many i don't know many things about sort of imagery that's been taken from a satellite um on our surface so you know like a like the city of new york from a satellite it's like a big bird's eye view of and you get to see the the grids and and how central park is just a square in the 
little big city and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a company out there called SkyFi, and they have recently launched um, their new satellite photography on demand system. Now, this system is powered by more than 80 in-network satellites. Users can select an area they want to photograph using SkyFi satellites and capture custom satellite images. While being able to capture images like this using commercial satellites isn't new, uh, SkyFi services are distinctly affordable, starting at $175 for a brand new image capture. Which, actually, if you think about it, right? I mean, what? That's about 160 quid, isn't it? Yeah, that's not right. Um, you, your pet, you're get, you're getting control of a satellite to take a picture that you want for 160 quid. That's actually pretty damn that's cheap. Pretty, yeah, that's it's really a bit good. bonkers. It is also yeah. a bit bonkers, but that's not all. If if you wanted to buy an existing satellite photo, so one that is taken already, it's twenty dollars. So that's what seventeen quid. Wow, that's like. Yeah, I thought you'd be talking something cr- crazy money for something like this. Well, generally, it is hundreds, thousands of dollars uh, or pounds um, to do with that. And this this company, SkyFi, just making it more accessible. Uh, you know, you could do it for personal, academic or commercial projects. So um, it's really, really interesting. Um, it's high resolution, optical, multi-speed still photography and video as well, by the way. So right. not just not just stills. I'd imagine a video will be a little more. Um, Based in Texas, they are. Scott yeah. Just yes, they are. Look. Yeah. And apparently there's even stereo photography for 3D modeling projects. From a satellite and you can just access this from your computer at oh. home. <laughs> Which yeah, is kind of... I'm- Kind yeah, I'm crazy, just looking at their website at the moment. But and, they have uh, an app. They have an app for your phone. You can do it through an app. Oh, on really? The phone. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a look at this. Oh, I see it as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind um, of weird. But here's, yeah. here's here's a startling thing. Did you know, right, as of end of January 2022, 8,261 satellites are orbiting the Earth. What? Right? Say that figure again. 8,260. 61 satellites are orbiting the earth and this is are they all in use well this is the thing that really surprised me nearly five thousand of which are active so there is about three thousand satellites up there that are just literally in the skies yeah and that's that's a crazy one and if this carries on going uh, they reckon um, by about now-ish, you know, it'll be about 9,000 satellites up there. Uh, this might be a really dumb question. How are they not crashing into each other? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I often think that. I mean, did you see, was it, uh, it's a, I'm, I'm going a lot of films at the moment, the Sandra Bullock film, when they were up in space, George Clooney was in it. What was it called? Oh, anyway, I know. It was just the two of them, really. It was just the, the two film, of them. Yeah, yeah, and there was a big accident about satellites hitting the space the station they're on or something like that. That was such a good film, yeah. I was thinking, why does that not happen more often? Well, is it? Is it happening? And we just don't know. I don't think it's crazy to me. That's so, that's figures so high. Yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm just looking at the site here and it says, so how does SkyFi technology work? It says, using your phone, desktop or tablet, SkyFi empowers you to command a satellite's camera with just a few taps. From the app interface, you can choose any place on planet Earth and SkyFi will not only deliver a high resolution image of that place, you can buy that image and keep it forever. Whether you're using it to solve real world problems or memorizing it, it says, uh, memor- memorializing it, I heard that word for. Or memorializing your- it, Cam. Uh, yeah, memorializing <laughs> it. <laughs> memorializing it on your living room wall. Uh, that's incredible. So how, how does more than one person use it at the same time well um i have no idea i guess no. there's oh yeah i don't know i guess there's a queue system i mean we like our queues don't we um but yeah i mean apparently cust- um there's a 10 minute window uh within a certain orbital period i guess it's what you want to take photographs as well depending on where the satellite is in comparison to i don't know you want to take a picture of the pyramids of egypt the satellite might not be over there until nine o'clock that night or something like that i'm guessing yeah not being an expert on these things but uh but yeah i just thought it was kind of crazy and and it's two things really that the the ease of being able to take pictures from a satellite from your phone (laughs) for like 160 quid does seem kind of crazy to me again i'm just reading it here it says through the app 
you're able to task a satellite to capture a new image with the date and location of your choosing all capture your area of interest from our library of thousands of previously captured images. Once you've made your final selection, sit back and relax while SkyFi takes care of the rest. It says, our satellites at your command. I mean, the more you read it, the more... I mean, it's kind of Terminator 2, isn't it? Yeah. I just feel like there could be a disaster with this along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, I do feel what's it's... the hacking that's going to happen? And what about personal privacy? Yeah. Um, uh, there's there's a lot of red flags this is giving up to me, is if red flags is the word here. Um, yeah. I, they're also saying it'd be good for monitoring, you know, environmental things. So for, you know, right. global warming and all that kind of stuff and monitoring what's going on from space over a large period of time, which I get. Um, That's already being done, isn't that it? Is, yes, it is. For me, this is the commercialization of it, which is yeah. the... That it, I, I mean, it's both interesting because I kind of want to do it myself, but also a little worrying too. Yeah, I think the more I think about it, it as simple as it is, I just feel it. There's, there's much more behind it than that. There's, there's got to be certain things that you've got to agree not to do <laughs> with it. There's well, got to be certain I, waivers, perhaps. Well, I'm guessing if you ask them, um, I mean, I can't imagine you can take many up close pictures of the pentagon or anything like that you know well it or, reminds me of google uh, google or area 51 well yeah, yeah it is it is google earth isn't it is it, google basically. earth because i've just gone in and and it says try it and i've just put in it comes up with a, a austin a, um, a satellite map of austin in texas and then i've now put in my postcode and it brings up where we are and uh and just clicking it now i can get a high-res image of that and that might be blooming useful i'm not zoomed in or anything yeah. uh we'll see I, yes it it is like Google Maps, but I think here you're talking about quality. Yeah. Google Maps, it's just the resolution. I think is is what they're really selling here. It I is, mean, yeah. Sony are planning to launch. They they they're probably going to have one satellite. So I don't know how they're going to compete uh, with an Alpha One camera up there. I think uh, at some point, uh, unless it's already there. But it just shows all these commercial entities have this access to this sort of. Mm. I really don't think we're supposed to know this much information as human beings. <laughs> <laughs> I do think there is a limit on what we should. Yeah, I mean this stuff. Know. I mean this stuff. The the uh, governments have been using for years, haven't they? It's all yeah. out there. You yeah, know, we were know, discussing you... this last episode, weren't we, about NASA <laughs> making? Do you things feel sometimes that technology is sort of progressing far too quickly? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah maybe. It, it, yeah, for our minds. Our minds probably can't comprehend really. I think technology is actually far further ahead than we're actually aware of. Yeah. You know, I think I th think they say car technology is it already ten years ahead? They're already ten years ahead of what's out on the roads. Yeah, I think it's something like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. It it's kind of more. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and and it just goes to and that's why you know when we talk about is photography going to continue in the future you know and we've heard things like digital when digital photography came out it was oh is this the end of photography as we know it now we're talking about ai is this the end right. of photography as we know it no it's not photography i think is it's always going to be there um, i just think the just professional develop. photographer might die out eventually like you know you're seeing models taking their own selfies to sell clothes on you know normal websites uh, yeah and eradicate it people still want pictures of the babies though and wedding photos and things like that and yeah. i guess some of part of that is I, I i agree i think i think we are i don't know in 30 50 years time there'll be less people taking up professional photography i, I think possibly um, but but there is still that element of being able to pose someone getting people to feel at ease and all that kind of stuff which is i think obviously things like journalistic photography will always be there as well somebody who's in the moment capturing mm. certain things i think it's this this cost this expenditure on ourselves to have a nice picture on the wall is you know slowly going down and down yeah perhaps Maybe. yeah yeah i perhaps agree with you there um but it's just how things are moving on. It's like the jobs of that existed 50 years ago don't exist now. A lot of the jobs, mm. you know, and jobs that exist now won't exist, you know, in 20, 30 years. So the photographer's role could be very different. 
but there will still be photographers capturing images yeah. and every everyday images. But I do agree in the sense that when you said about models, Sarah, and that type of thing, you know, we already know as we've discussed it recently. I think the company will be able to uh, launch a product, have amazing photos of it without actually having to use a photographer because they'll be able to do it all through AI or whatever. You know, the catalogue yeah. of library shots that are going to be able to be used, um, that are going to be out there. They're already out there, aren't they? You know, the you well, know backgrounds people- and everything. Mm-hmm. How many per- how many people purchase a new I say purchase you know acquire a new mobile phone and get it purposely because of its quality of camera that's on there as well? Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's right. Yeah, they yeah. do. And 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 you do hear a lot of people saying their phones you and saying oh it's a great camera or it's not a very good camera this or you know so it's you know it's people will always still be taking photographs. That's always that's always going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And I think also there's other elements to the skills that AI can't do at the moment as far as photography. I'll go back to wedding photography. There is an element of crowd control with wedding photography, isn't there? And do you have to be skilled at that? You can't if if you're not good at that part, you're not going to be a very good wedding photographer. So there are other skills that are not necessarily about the image creation per se, but are integral to being that person. Yeah, integral to being able to get the correct photo is being able to to manage it, as you say, beforehand. Um, Just quickly, though, talking of AI, have you guys heard about this um, application that can remove watermarks from people's photographs? Uh, (laughs) 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 Oh, I think. Oh, I think Cam's on mute. Yeah, <laughs> that is why. There you are. You're back now. Yeah, that is. Come worrying. on, this is this is 2023 now. We Sorry. shouldn't be doing these uh, <laughs> these yeah. mistakes that, anymore. That is that is worrying actually, and I can believe that it's out there. You know, yeah, it uh, is. It's a, it's a free app that you can download, as far as I'm aware. Right. Um, which you know, if you want to look at it on the positive, if you as a photographer sort of make a silly mistake and delete an image that you know doesn't have the watermark on you you've only got the one with the watermark then yeah you can sort of resolve your problem there but that's the actually worry is people stealing your imagery now you used to use a watermark on your mm. website to make sure that it's protected against them yeah. and now that's potentially out the window yeah can i, I, I say that, that that's a really good point sarah about yeah. It could be beneficial for, for, could for be, photographers yeah. when you've lost an image but you've just got that one with the watermark on there so sorry mark you're gonna I, I, th- I think as uh, this and there's also I mean, there's another app that a friend showed me about how this AI app can interpolate low resolution images to larger resolution images. So that coupled with this one, which removes watermarks, I, the, the, the fear I have is that uh, working professionals like ourselves have less and less control over the work that goes online yeah. of our work, of our own work. So that does worry me. I had a bit of not uh uh, I had a bit of a sort of conversation with my mate about this and I was kind of like, look, I see it's good and bad things, you know, for us as creators, it can be quite nice to have a, an image that you want to interpolate, put into something or, or whatever. Um, but I don't know, removing watermarks from someone else's work on online. I mean, that, that comes down to theft to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, uh, how do you no... monitor it though? How do you control that? Well, I suppose the only way to control it is not allow this app to exist. I mean, I think that's the only way you can control it. Um, yeah, I don't. I, th- I don't know how else. I think that we have to accept it because it's that whole thing about you know people taking images and using them online. I know for a fact that I've had a lot of images that have been used by others when they shouldn't have been used because I've come across them. Mm. Um, I've seen my pictures in places where I didn't know that they'd actually been used. You almost got to learn just to accept it in some cases, you know. You see it a lot through social media, like Instagram, uh, you know, influencers as such, and their their stuff mm. being taken and and used to sell adverts or something else. It's it's happening a lot with the theft yeah. on imagery, and this is just going to surely make it worse. <laughs> I, I do feel there's a there is a control issue with work, um, with our work. I, I guess this is a similar situation to what maybe artists felt when Napster started mm. coming about, where they had less control over their work, and some artists embraced it, some artists rather against it. Um, I, I feel this is a similar thing. I don't like the idea if I've watermarked my work, 
there's a reason why I've watermarked it. Yeah. I don't want someone and you should using respect it. it. And, and you should respect the facts. I mean, you should respect the fact that if I've got my work on a website, you shouldn't use it without my consent anyway. Yeah. Um, but that that's never going to be the case. So you watermark them. And now people can remove that watermark. I, I, I yeah, I, it, but saying that doesn't sit well with me. Let's put it that no, way. Saying me. that though, Mark, you mentioned Napster. I mean, it's the same, like you know, with Spotify. I've got a, you know, well, so big... Spotify's legit though, isn't it? I've got a big Napster wasn't. Yeah, I've got a sort of fairly big music collection and listened to music over the years and everything. But and I used to be an avid buyer of vinyl and CDs over the years. And now I've not bought one for years because I now just get it on Spotify. I pay my monthly Spotify fee. And the thing is, is Spotify still, as far as I'm aware, still isn't fair to the artists because they get paid next to nothing no, not. for it. No. But they don't have a they don't have an option. But you know, like Mark, you were over at, at mine on Saturday, and we'd got together as we had a, a you know a team thing going on, and a, and but we had Spotify playing, and we we're yeah. all able to listen to whatever song we wanted to listen to. Yeah. None of those songs had been purchased by any of us, so but... that's wrong. The music but, industry is in decline because of it, because yeah. bands can't afford to be bands anymore. So therefore, you know, you only yeah. get the stuff that Simon Cowell likes, I guess. It's Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, Lots of Ed Sheeran's. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing <laughs> to be wrong with Ed Sheeran, but, you know, you do hear too much of him. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean? I think now to be in a band, you have to have another job if you want to be in a band. Um I do agree with you. There are there is a, a, a lack of bands out there, aren't there? They're, yeah. they're all individuals and yeah, you know, people making music in their bedrooms, yeah. you know, now and writing and recording. Very talented people as well to yeah, be, yeah, you know, yeah. to, to do that as well. Some of them are incredibly talented. Uh, but yeah, it it has had a detrimental effect. But um, to bring it back to what we're talking about here, um, I, I can see this this sort of thing being a bit of a damage to the photography industry actually now i'm mm. going to say it. i think it is damaging yeah. i think if you can if you can remove someone's watermark there's a reason why someone put a watermark on there mm. um if you can remove it there's only one reason why you're removing it oh yeah i think it's yeah. it's definitely sort of heavier based towards theft than it is towards retrieving something yeah i um, think so it, yeah it sort of set alarm bells going when i when i saw it oh, and not only that now they can so they can basically download it, use one app to remove the watermark and then another app to make the image a bigger image. So you can just take people's work offline. Let's yeah. say, uh, um, I mean, not necessarily bothers us because we're doing family and, and schools and whatever. No one's really going to want a picture of somebody else's family on their wall. Well, I don't think they should. Um, but if you are a landscape photographer who sells their prints, someone could just go on their website, download it, take the watermark off, make it bigger, go to the printers, print it. There you go. You've just nicked a nice big piece for your wall. I use uh, an online platform for selling my school photography and there's a watermark that shows on their preview images. Am I at risk of parents potentially being able to yeah. grab that photo with the watermark, take that away, do what they please with it, and they've got it for nothing? Yeah, that that's. I have a it's similar thing with my... I, I sell USBs when it comes to family photography, but I sell them to a certain res that if, you know, uh, if, if you want to have a big frame print, you come and see me, yeah. you know, cause it's my work and, and it's that control. You can print small images off it, make albums with it and, and all that kind of stuff. Desktop images. That's no problem. That's what it's for. But now, now they can, I, I worry that they can damn it, interpolate it and do as they please with it. Yeah. And mm. it's, it's going to cost, it's going to cost, Decent photographers, their ways, because it's it's only the good photographers is going to affect, you know, <laughs> mm. the ones who aren't very good. No one's going to want to do it to. But the good it's the good ones who's going to affect. And it's those good ones who actually put a premium on their work because they've been working for so long and they cost X because they are good. That's why you go to them. Um, and this is going to put those people out of work, I think. I, th I think it is. I think it is tricky. Yeah. Mm. But I think but, but we're of a generation where we sort of see that but i think the photographers the photographers of tomorrow they probably won't know any different you know i'm talking about in the future now give it another 30 40 years or something they will have adapted to that whatever they do they will adapt their systems to that won't they i guess unless their photography ways. unless their photography job is then a part-time job and they have to have another job mm. that to you know like like the bands and artists it could be in a band <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. You know, and and that's you know, 
you, you want to make a profession out of it. Yeah. And the, things like this yeah. are stopping you from doing it. So it did, yeah. It, yeah. It, bothers me yeah well the ever-changing world of photography that's what it makes it all interesting to chat about uh, yes every other week and we are here every other week so guys that's it for another show um thank you for listening and uh remember to share like send us some comments all the usual stuff and we will see you at the next episode cheers guys bye for now bye <laughs>